What's up guys, welcome to another episode of Total Health 2020. In this episode, I'm going to be telling you guys why I don't think you should be going on a diet and what you should be doing instead. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. What's up everyone, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. This is going to be the diet episode of the weight loss series and today I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about why I personally don't think you should be going on a diet just in terms of technicalities of that word itself but what I think you should be doing instead to change your nutrition and overall kind of alter your weight loss progress. And so when I when we think about weight loss in general there's two things that we typically kind of think about. It's changing your nutrition and in involving some kind of exercise regimen or routine. And there's been a lot of studies kind of comparing the two recently. Ultimately, I think um, having both will kind of ensure your weight loss progress um, the most in the future. But if you were to choose one and only one, um, I think nutrition is the most important thing you can kind of alter and um, implement in your lifestyle to most enhance your weight loss progress. Um, so more than 60 studies have kind of showed hand in hand that exercise doesn't actually affect weight loss as much as you might think. Um, your daily energy expenditure, like I talked about in a previous episode, is ultimately one of the more important things in uh, determining how much weight you can ultimately lose on a weight loss plan. And that's affected by multiple different things. Three things that we mainly think about are your resting metabolic rate, um, the food breakdown or the thermic effect of food essentially, and your physical activity. And if, when you really kind of look into this further, you think that your physical activity probably plays a pretty big role in that. But studies have actually showed only 10 to 30% of your daily expenditure of energy is actually really influenced by your physical activity. And of course, there are exceptions to this. Um, world-class athletes, people who train for a living, ultimately they're going to burn more calories and so they need to eat much more food but for the majority of us we don't have our the entire day to essentially be moving around um and so that becomes a much smaller piece of the pie in terms of how much energy we're expending every single day and so there was a study that showed a 200 pan 200 pound man if he runs one hour a day for four times a week for a month the maximum amount of of weight that he'll actually lose, assuming all else stays the same, is only about five pounds. And while many of us may, you know, love to lose five pounds, that's a lot of work to be putting in uh, to lose that amount of weight. It's a lot of time to be spent, a lot of mental barriers to jump through, a lot of physical barriers to jump through. And so when I say all things kind of equal, the main thing I'm kind of referring to is your diet. And so when we exercise a lot, we tend to actually increase our hunger levels, want to eat more food. And so that ultimately turns into not actually losing that full five pounds when we um, implement a exercise strategy. And so that's something definitely to think about. If we start running way more, we're going to be a little bit more hungry. We're going to eat a little bit more. We're going to naturally crave a little bit more unhealthy foods to kind of replace our energy ex um, re uh, reserves. So these are all important things to kind of think about. And that's not to say exercise doesn't have its place. Um, it's something I want to talk about in another episode and something that's definitely, definitely changed my life for the better and is a very important part to any weight loss, you know, routine or regimen. But I think one of the more important things to kind of discuss and definitely something that you should look into early on is um, diet. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about mainly in this episode. So to kind of first off address the title of this episode, why I don't think you should go on a diet. I think, and that's because I think diets kind of have a negative connotation to it and a temporary association. And so what I mean by that is when you think about a diet, it means 
generally to most of us, it means something you want to do for a short period of time to lose weight. It's not necessarily a lifestyle change or a change in habits or a long lasting kind of impact on your weight. It's more, okay, I need to look good for this event, or I feel like I put on a little bit too much weight. And so I want to lose a little bit of weight. That's typically what we think about when we talk about diets. And that's what I think we should try to avoid doing. And most of the popular diets that are out today are essentially kind of fad diets, things that are not very sustainable and not something that's ultimately going to lead to a large impact on your lifestyle, on your weight, um, and ultimately why I think you should be doing this. And so, again, that's just an opinion. Um, Diets definitely have their places for many people, and a lot of us just want to lose weight for short short periods of time. But um, the real kind of emphasis I want to place on today's podcast is more of a long-term sustainable change in your lifestyle such that you can implement and live a healthier, happier lifestyle. So that's kind of what I really want to talk about. Um, I'm going to be talking about some of the traditional kind of diets that we talk about, like keto, intermittent fasting, things of that sort. But ultimately, I think a lot of these, depending on the individual, of course, um, different people have success with uh, various different diets and changes in nutrition plans. And so I think they definitely all kind of have their place. But I'm going to be delving a little bit more deeply into some of these, um, why I think some some of them are good, some of them are bad, um, and what diet may fit your lifestyle and your kind of weight loss goals. So I think that's kind of like the main thing I want to talk about today. But ultimately, I want to emphasize um, habit changes because I think these are more persevering. They make a longer, more meaningful impact in your life. And I'll tell you a little bit of um, kind of tips and tricks along the way of how you can live a more sustainable um, lifestyle that doesn't just kind of necessarily mean a diet for um, one to two months or something like that. And so the first thing I kind of want to talk about are what are the typical traditional diets? The first one I kind of want to go over is keto. Um, The keto diet, for those of you who may not know, is a very popular diet in the media lately. It essentially means deriving a lot of your um, daily kind of energy source from ketone bodies. And the way we typically do that would be to maintain a very high fat diet, very low carb, very low protein diet, and kind of general kind of macronutrient breakdowns, which I'll talk more about later, what are macronutrients and things like that are. Um, In a typical keto diet, we tend to get um, aim for about 80% of our calories from fats, about 5% of our calories from carbohydrates, and about 15% of our um, calories from proteins. And so what this ultimately theoretically kind of forces our body to do is to rely less on carbohydrates for our daily kind of energy needs. So we rely less on glucose. Over a period of time, our body attempts to adapt to this by increasing the production of ketone bodies. And so Basically, in a prolonged state of carbohydrate deprivation, we tend to increase the amount of gluconeogenesis that our body um, demands, and that's via a decrease in insulin, an increase in glucagon, and these are all kind of hormones that our body produces in times of stress, typically. And so typically, just kind of giving a general breakdown, um, our body normally uses glucose for energy. Um, in periods of time where we're not getting glucose, which is typically found in carbohydrates, then our body can burn fat, burn muscle, burn glycogen. Um, Glycogen is kind of like a storage form of energy that's typically in muscles, but mainly in the um, livers where we uh, store most of our glycogen. It's fairly rapidly depleted. And so over periods of fasting, 12 to 24 hours, a lot of our body glucose um, or glycogen stores are depleted. 
um, that can lead to increased lipolysis or fat burning. And in that process, um, we develop ketone bodies because certain uh, parts of our body can't really use fats very efficiently as a energy source. One, for example, are red blood cells. They can't really use triglycerides or fatty acids very well to um, maintain energy, as well as the brain. They cannot use uh, fatty acids very well. Um, they mainly rely on glucose. But one way our body kind of gets around this is to use ketone bodies, which mostly every cell in our body can use for an, an energy source. And so the theory behind um, the keto diet is we're burning more fat because we're only really consuming fat. And ultimately, this is going to lead to a decrease in insulin, like I mentioned before, which is ultimately also responsible for fat storage. And having decreased insulin, decreased um, energy reserves lead to an increase in lipolysis or fat burning and ultimately a increased speed of weight loss. At least that's what it's purported to do. When we think about the, the keto diet in general, this diet was initially kind of looked into for treatment of certain diseases. It does have some efficacy um, in treating diseases like epilepsy. Um, it can significantly reduce the hemoglobin A1C in diabetics, but it's a very difficult diet to kind of maintain. So when we think about that breakdown that I mentioned earlier about retrieving most of our uh, dietary calories from fats versus carbs, that's very difficult to do, actually. When we think about it, it may seem, you know, all fine and dandy, like fats are delicious and it's in a lot of our favorite foods, but a lot of our favorite foods are also in carbohydrates and a lot of very, very healthy things for us are actually in carbohydrates. Um, we derive a lot of different electrolytes and micronutrients from carbohydrate sources like potatoes have a lot of um, beneficial micronutrient profiles, especially electrolytes like potassium and things like that. Um, when we think about fruits and vegetables, these are very, very good for us, have a lot of fiber, a lot of micronutrients as well. But typically something that's, although it can be, um, you know, eaten in a ketogenic diet, people are generally much more cautious of them um, because of that kind of carbohydrate limit that is uh, really demanded in a ketogenic diet. And so we're getting less fiber, we're getting less micronutrients, less electrolytes, and we're mainly eating fattier foods, which may ultimately kind of alter our health profile in terms of increasing our cholesterol, increasing, um, you know, LDL, triglycerides, things like that, which may not be good for certain people who have coronary artery disease or um, cardiovascular risk factors. And so these are all important things to kind of think about beyond just losing weight, right? Ultimately, the most important thing is our health. And even if we lose weight, if we end up being unhealthier because of it, that's something we definitely want to think about. And so while the keto diet does definitely have its place for many people, um, it's not as, you know, great as you might otherwise think um, based on the kind of pseudoscience behind it. Um, in addition, like there's a few flaws with the diet. Um, a lot of purported mechanisms of the way the diet works is, you know, there's a lower insulin state, which means we're not as efficiently able to store fat. And while this is true to an extent, there are other hormones in the body which can ultimately um, lead to fat storage, like acetylation stimulating protein, which can store fat even in the absence of insulin. And in addition, um, although the keto diet is pretty good at suppressing appetite. And the reason for that is fats are very satiating. Um, carbohydrates can oftentimes kind of actually stimulate hunger in a lot of ways. There is less fiber in this diet, like I mentioned before. And when we have less fiber, that's less satiating. It ultimately can upset our gut microbiome and gut health. 
um, and things of that sort. So that's definitely something you want to keep in mind as well. In addition, a lot of the initial weight loss that comes from a ketogenic diet, that's actually mostly water weight. And so um, kind of the reason behind this is glycogen and carbohydrates, they tend to actually store a lot of water weight within our body. And so within that first week or so, we can lose, you know, three to five pounds pretty quickly. And it may seem amazing in terms of the weight loss benefits, but that quickly begins to plateau because a lot of that weight is not actually fat being lost, but mainly decreased glycogen reserves, decreased carbohydrate, um, you know, storage leading to less water storage. So that's something that's important to consider. In addition, a lot of people don't actually feel very well on the keto diet. It takes our body quite a while to get used to this kind of rapid change in the way we are essentially running our bodies. So a lot of people come down with something called the keto flu. And that's ultimately because of a rapid loss of water, a rapid loss of electrolytes, and a change in the way that our body is kind of um, using, utilizing its energy. And so this can ultimately lead to um, a less uh, sustainable way of maintaining any kind of like diet or weight loss regimen or change. So that's definitely something to keep in mind as well. And so ultimately, the reason I don't think this is the best diet personally, um, I have tried it and I know a lot of people who've tried it and had success with it. And I know a lot of people who've tried it and not really liked it, to be honest. And so I think it's important to kind of figure out what's good for you. I don't think this is a sustainable diet is what I'm trying to get at. Um, research shows that the weight loss from a ketogenic diet actually tends to typically plateau after about two months. So that's why it's a very difficult diet to kind of study because most people actually drop out of this diet after just about two months. And when you think about it, it's not that hard to think about why because it's very hard to maintain a diet like this. Like when you're going out with friends, there's going to be carbohydrates in certain foods and things like that. And so it's very restricting. And whenever you have a diet that's restricting, it's very hard to, to stay on it because you're constantly developing an obsessive relationship with food, essentially. You're always thinking about food. What can you eat? What can't you eat? And that's why I don't like diets to begin with because I think developing an unhealthy relationship with food is one of the worst things we can do um, because food is our friend. Food is something that's a natural part of life, something that we should all enjoy. And if we develop an unnatural, unhealthy relationship with food, it makes our weight loss journey all that much harder and living a sustainable, healthy lifestyle all that much harder. And that's one of the things I think you should definitely think about um, before going on the keto diet or at least when you're trying to develop a weight loss plan. Um, but at the end of the day, keto diets do work for many. And so um, a lot of these diets, it's okay to try them out, see if it's something you like. Um, there are a lot of people who claim it gives them more mental clarity. Um, it's easier for them. And it, it just depends on the kind of foods that you like, the kind of lifestyle that you live. The next diet I kind of want to talk about is intermittent fasting. This one I actually am a little bit of a fan of. Um, again, just the term diet in general is not, you know, necessarily what I'm a fan of. Um, that's when I think it can become a little bit restricting, a little bit unhealthy, um, just because the intermittent fasting diet is essentially getting most of your calories in a shorter eating window. So the most typical way we do this is basically having a 16-hour window where we don't eat any food at all and then having an 8-hour window where we get all of our calories. And so what this essentially means is you're restricting your window of eating and so typically what that does is it restricts the amount of calories you're able to eat just because it's harder to get a large amount of calories in, in a shorter period of time. And that's mainly the way this weight loss 
um, that it kind of works. There are also other methods that people talk about, like, um, you know, just generally being in a fasting kind of uh, window, having no food at all, maybe that increases the amount of calories we're burning, the amount of fat we're burning, just because we do have to revert to a different energy um, source if we're not consuming um, calories throughout the day. And this is true to an extent. There have been a lot of studies kind of um, looking into this. I think the intermittent fasting diet is helpful for structure, um, again, because it's difficult to get a large amount of calories in that smaller window. There was a study that showed that the or food deprivation in general led to better weight loss, improved cardiovascular health, neuroprotective effects, decreased cancer risk, and an increased lifespan in rodents. Um, in humans as well, it's been shown to ultimately decrease uh, weight and show a lot of these similar um, benefits. One reason I think this may be is evolutionarily, it makes more sense that intermittent fasting is kind of um, a way that our ancestors probably ate. Um, because of food availability nowadays, it's very easy to eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, things of that sort. But the way our um, we evolutionary evolutionary evolutionarily kind of grew up is that we didn't always necessarily have food available to us. We used to kind of be a hunter gatherer um, species, and we like generally speaking people would go out, hunt, gather food, and then have, you know, one or two big meals and mostly store that away for the rest of the day while they went out and um, went about their daily activities. And so it makes sense that this is the way our ancestors kind of used to eat and the way we evolved to eat. Uh, fasting in general does have a lot of um, healthy benefits like the ones I mentioned earlier, neuroprotective benefits, decreased cancer risk, things of that sort. Um, I, I do think the main benefit of it is just having a harder, like smaller window to eat the same amount of calories, which makes it more difficult. It makes it easier to eat some of the foods you want to eat because you're naturally kind of forced to eat more calorically dense foods in order to um, get the appropriate amount of calories in. But also what I think ends up happening a lot of times is because we are getting, we're depriving ourselves of food for so long, we tend to develop an unnatural, unhealthy relationship with foods. We tend to be so hungry from not eating for so long that the food choices that we do make tend to be unhealthier in general. So when you're not eating for so long, um, depending on the, the window you're kind of using, say for example, if you are using the um, 16 to 8 rule, that's not a uh, like very long time to go without eating food 16 hours if you think about it. Um, it's essentially, you can get that just kind of by skipping breakfast a lot of times. But because we haven't had food for so long, we tend to have have a lot more appetite stimulating hormones kind of surging throughout our body. Um, we have a little bit of like a mental battle choosing our foods because we want to eat more calorically dense foods because we're just hungrier. We want to get that those calories in in a shorter amount of time. And this ultimately leads us to make some poor food choices. So that's definitely one thing I think we should think about with this kind of diet. Um, not getting the appropriate amount of vegetables, fruits, micronutrients in our diet because we're eating a little bit unhealthier during this time. But to some that, that's a plus, at least in uh, theory, because you can eat calorically dense foods, be happy, not really restrict yourself in dietary selection as much. Um, just that time window is kind of where you're restricting yourself. And depending on how busy your lifestyle is, like I found a lot of success with this diet, the more busy I was, because when I'm out and about and I can't really get to food that easily anyways, it's a lot easier to go about this diet. It doesn't really even seem like you're on a diet, which is ultimately the, the goal of any diet. Um, but say, for example, if you're working from home now during the coronavirus pandemic, 
um, if you're around food a lot more often and you're able to access food a lot more often, it's a lot more of a kind of mental battle to struggle um, against like not eating food or not um, giving yourself access to food. Uh, and so I think that can be a little bit difficult for many people, um, especially for myself. Like I found it very difficult if I was at home to not eat if food is right there. And so I think that's one of the harder parts about intermittent fasting, but it's definitely something you do get used to after some time. Some other things about the intermittent fasting diet are studies actually show that um, the diet works better for people starting at a higher BMI to begin with. And that kind of naturally makes sense, but it's important to kind of keep in mind. So if you're someone who doesn't have a whole lot of weight to lose, um, intermittent fasting may actually be a little bit harder for you than it might be for someone who has a larger kind of deficit they're allowed to go into just because um, our body doesn't necessarily adapt to this kind of diet as well as someone who may have higher fat reserves to um, lose throughout this diet. So that's something to take into consideration as well. Um, some other important things to kind of take into account are that I mentioned earlier that fasting can be a little bit difficult because oftentimes we make poor dietary choices whenever we're fasting just because having that fasting kind of mindset whenever we do want to eat food we make kind of poor choices because we want to eat just calorically dense foods but the longer you are on this diet and the more you're used to it um, fasting can actually have an opposite paradoxical effect of really blunting your appetite i've kind of noticed this um kind of in any diet that i tend tended to start off on um, it takes a while for your body to kind of adjust to the diet. And so the first few days to the few first few weeks are always the hardest for me, at least. And I notice once I start getting used to the diet, once my body really starts adapting, it becomes quite a bit easier to adjust and kind of go about the daily aspects that the diet requires. And so that's definitely something to take into consideration as well. Um, if you're someone who's concurrently trying to build muscle while on a diet, the intermittent fasting diet may be a little bit kind of um, scary for you just because of the potential to burn muscle instead of fat. And so that kind of goes into the role of nutrition that I mentioned before in metabolism in that your body stores a certain amount of energy as glycogen. After a certain amount of fasting, your body's going to burn through that glycogen and look for alternative fuel resources. Um, your body can essentially burn the glycogen in your muscles and may eventually use the protein in your muscles as an energy source. It's not likely unless you're in a very prolonged state of deprivation, so it's not something I would particularly worry about um, going into a very protein catabolic state as opposed to a lipolytic state. Um, some other things to kind of take into consideration are not always is a calorie really a calorie. Um, when you're on an intermittent fasting diet, sure, you may have a little bit less calories um, kind of in the long run just because you're waiting and you're kind of decreasing the eating window that you're allowing yourself. But in terms of building muscle and things like that, there's been studies that show smaller, more frequent meals may actually have a higher thermic effect of the metabolism than you know, one or two just very large meals. In addition, in terms of anabolism or building muscle, Having smaller, more frequent kind of periods of protein consumption is better for muscle growth than just consuming, you know, 100 grams of protein in one sitting. And so there was a study that specifically kind of showed that 20 grams of protein over um, the course of, I believe, four meals, as opposed to just 80 grams in one sitting or 40 grams in two sittings, actually showed the most mu muscle growth when um, used in conjunction with a weight training uh, exercise regimen. So these are all things that are important to consider, but ultimately it's going into the minutia of the diet 
And at the end of the day, while a calorie may not be a calorie, calories in versus calories out is ultimately the most important thing when um, choosing a diet plan. So definitely something to consider, but not always like the most important um, kind of factor until you start getting more used to it and dieting for a very long time. And you kind of want to make sure that you're going about the going about it the best way. Also, it's important to kind of consider whether this is psychologically healthy. Um, again, that just goes into the whole kind of recurring theme of our diet psychologically healthy to begin with, because deprivation um, ultimately leads to more deprivation. You, whenever you kind of develop an unnatural, unhealthy relationship with food, like you may in a fasting diet, it may be hard to kind of slip out of that. Um, eventually, whenever you don't feel like you need to lose weight anymore, or you may kind of rebound weight gain eventually once you're off of the quote unquote diet. So another important thing to kind of consider. And honestly, I can sit here and talk about every diet. I, I love actually doing this, but I know it may kind of get overwhelming talking about the many, many different types of diets out there. So just to kind of boil it down to a main point, um, there are a lot of other diets out there. There's the DASH diet, the If It Fits Your Macros diet, detox diets, juice cleanses, paleo, low-fat, low-carb, gluten-free. All of these things do certainly have their place for certain people. And I encourage you all to try out whatever you feel like may work for you because some diets are notoriously good for some people and some are notoriously bad for others. But I just kind of wanted to mention this JAMA 2014 meta-analysis, which was published on a randomized controlled trial of 48 different diet programs, and it showed that any caloric restriction program is going to result in weight loss. There were not really many unique differences between diet plans that are likely to cause significant changes in weight, and ultimately the most important part of your diet is the sustainability of that diet and whether you can stay on it. And so that's kind of like the key point of advice that I want to take. Um, kind of hammer home today that ultimately whatever you do choose in terms of your diet or nutrition plan has to be something that you can stick by, something that you feel comfortable doing long-term if you really want to make this a long-term project and lose weight over the course of, um, you know, your life and maintaining a healthy life. And so different kind of tips that I want to give you just in general about how to lose weight and kind of maintaining a diet plan um, try to avoid skipping meals if you can. Of course, you're unless you're on the intermittent fasting diet, it's kind of a main part of the diet. But skipping meals leads to increased ghrelin, decreased leptin. These are just two hunger hormones, essentially, that um, ghrelin leads to an increase in appetite. Leptin normally is a satiety hormone. And so when these are out of balance, it can kind of lead, to, lead you to choose more calorically dense foods, want to eat more even if you're not actually hungry. And this is important to kind of take into consideration. Um, eating a high protein diet actually increases the release of peptide YY. And this is a pretty powerful appetite suppressant and can help you feel longer. So that's another kind of life hack that can help you lose weight over the long term. Um, another study actually interestingly showed that a uh, diet low in fat but high in dairy products can lead to more weight loss because um, a high calcium and vitamin D diet ultimately kind of blunts weight gain in many scenarios, this is an NIH-funded trial that showed both supplementary and dietary increases in calcium and vitamin D ultimately had an inverse relationship to weight gain. This is thought to be due to kind of a natural ACE inhibition um, that's found within certain compounds in dairy foods. Very interesting study. I, I um, urge you to kind of Google it if you're, you're more interested in that. 
um, in addition, just kind of using a smaller plate, there was another study that showed that reducing your plate size can, from 12 to 10 inches can actually decrease the amount of food that you eat by 22%, even if your access to that food is the same. So that's an important uh, way to kind of, you know, just kind of manage the amount of food that you're eating because lots of times we overeat, not because we're very hungry, but just because we have that uh, food available to us. And sometimes it takes a while for our appetite to suppress after we start eating. So having a smaller plate, just kind of decreasing that natural access to food sometimes can help um, in that short term and long term if you're uh, good about it. Um, make sure you sleep well and decrease the amount of stress that you have in your life. Obviously, easier said than done, but high cortisol levels um, long term can definitely lead to increases in weight gain, even if you're on an appropriate diet and weight loss uh, or exercise regimen. So it's important to kind of moderate some of these uh, very, very important factors that we never really consider um, when we're on a diet and weight loss plan. So that's something to kind of consider. Um, I mentioned before that I would talk briefly about macronutrients. And so there are kind of three main macronutrients. And there's a fourth if you're being a little bit more specific. Um, fats, carbohydrates, proteins, and sometimes we can consider alcohol as well. Um, they each have specific calories uh, per gram of these mic macronutrients. So fat is nine calories per gram, carbohydrates are four calories per gram, protein is four calories per gram, and alcohol is seven calories per gram. And so if it fit your macro diets and things of that sort, then it kind of, um, depending on what you're focusing on, say, for example, if you're trying to lose weight but build muscle at the same time, we want to get more of our calories from proteins um, and maybe a little bit less from uh, carbohydrates and fats. In general, we want to keep our alcohol calories to a minimum, but of course, uh, whatever your life kind of demands or requires or whatever you like doing, that's up to you. Um, these are all important kind of things to consider. Um, and there are different, uh, again, like going to back to that mantra that not all calories are the same. It There may be small kind of differences in for example, um, the ability of our body to store protein for fat uh, as fat, for instance, rather than um, fat as fat. Of course, naturally, if we're eating a high amount of protein, our body has to expend a certain amount of energy to convert that to fat to store if we're in a caloric surplus. Whereas if we're just eating a lot of fat, it's going to be very easy for our body to store that as uh, fat. So these are small things to consider as well. Um, if you are you know, overeating one day, for example, it's better to get some of those extra calories from proteins than it is from fats and carbs. And again, elaborating a little bit more on not all calories are the same. So if you get 100 calories from a banana, for instance, versus 100 calories from like a fruit roll up or something, um, you're likely to be more satiated, have more micronutrients, feel better, have more fiber, things of all that sort from the banana than from the candy. And that's kind of um, intuitively understandable, but may not always make sense to a lot of people, especially if you're uh, following something like an, if it fits your macro diet. So in general, to lead a more sustainable, happier, healthier lifestyle, it's important to get more of our foods from natural sources and sources that have a healthier nutritional profile that offer more fiber, micronutrients, things of that sort. Um, and I think fiber is ex especially important because fiber itself is very, very satiating. And so if you're on a pretty low calorie diet, one of the quick hacks you can kind of do is just increase your fiber intake by eating more uh, vegetables, fruits. Um, you can even supplement fiber in your diet. And these are all things that will physically kind of make you more full um, just because they take up space in your GI tract essentially. Something else that might help you from overeating and um, feeling more satiated is just drink a lot of water. Um, 
liquid calories are always a big no-no in terms of trying to lose weight as efficiently as possible just because whenever you're drinking full calorie sodas, juices, things like that, um, they don't really fill you up. They don't really have any nutritional value and they usually have are pretty high in calories. And so there's just, those are some things that you generally want to avoid if you're on a pretty strict diet. Um, and just drinking a lot of water really helps because lots of times we feel like we're hungry when we're really just dehydrated and thirsty. So filling up on a lot of water can kind of blunt your appetite in a lot of ways. Of course, don't overdo it and have an unhealthy balance of just like chugging water whenever you want to eat. That's not exactly what I'm talking about, but um, just get a good, healthy amount of water every day and you'll notice a big difference um, in terms of how full you are and how much energy you really have, to be honest. And lastly, and I think one of the more important things I can kind of um, mention today is for some period of time, I think it's important to keep a food log, get a good idea of how many calories you're actually eating every day. This is something that's going to help you in the long term. I don't think you need to do it for the long term, but just get a, a good idea for what exactly you're eating, how many calories are in each meal, just so it helps you eyeball it later in the future. So that is essentially all I really wanted to talk about today. This is a bit of a longer episode, but I hope you guys found it useful. I just want to say thank you guys so much for your time. You pretty much could have been doing anything with your day and I hope I brought a little bit of value so thank you so much again and have a great day